to discover the gift of Christmas, we need to unwrap who Jesus is. This message is the first in the series, Jesus, More Than a Baby in a Manger. The message is entitled, The Counselor. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. I love the Christmas season. It's a wonderful time of the year that we celebrate the coming of Christ. And one of the things I enjoy actually about Christmas is I enjoy uh, both the giving and the receiving of gifts. Some of you enjoy the gift giving part of Christmas. Isn't it a great thing? I don't diminish that. I think it's a wonderful thing that we do at Christmas. I love to give gifts and I love to get gifts. I will tell you something about a gift. When you get a gift and you get it in this wonderful little package, it has a bow on it and you unwrap it. One of three things always happens when you open up a gift or a present. Number one, you can be disappointed. Any of you had that moment like, oh, thank you, okay. Or it's like, oh, nice, that's great. It's like sort of meets a bit level of your expectations, nice gift. Are there those times that you open something up and you go, wow, you're kidding me, that's amazing. It exceeds your expectation. Have you ever received a gift before that exceeded your expectation? It was incredible. Several years ago, many of you know that I enjoy coffee, and sort of a coffee uh, aficionado some, at some level, I enjoy uh, different aspects of coffee, and so my wife understood this, and so um, we, we, we had our Christmas time, and all the gifts were around the tree, and so uh, I went to open my gift, and it was a little, just like a little bitty gift, okay, like a small little package. I'm thinking, hey, let's go back to the store, okay, like, it's like, yeah. what's wrong with this, okay? But I opened up this gift, and inside there were a set of instructions and directions, and so it was guiding me to a journey through our house. And ultimately, I ended up in our basement, in a, in a closet in the basement, and opened that door, and there was this wonderful big box in there that I opened up, and it was a beautiful new espresso machine, all right? She exceeded my expectations, I am telling you. And it's always a joy when you open up a present and it goes beyond what you could have imagined. It exceeds what you anticipated. We're talking about the gift of Christmas, the gift of God sending His Son into the world. We're talking about unwrapping that package. What does that mean? What does it look like? When we open up the, the box, we take the bow off it, we pull all the packaging aside, and we look down into this box called Jesus. Who is He? What did He come to do? What do we understand about Him? What is this gift of Christ all about? And I want to, for the next several weeks, unwrap the gift of Jesus for us. And I hope that in this series of messages that will be far more than just a Christmas series. Oh yeah, I come to church and we're kind of supposed to talk about Christmas and the Christmas season, but I want it to be far more than that. I want it to be something that really speaks to you, speaks to your heart, that really applies to a place and point of, of concern and challenge in your own life. And I want to talk this weekend about Jesus being the counselor. Over 700 years before Jesus was born, there was a prophet by the name of Isaiah who saw into the future. He looked down history through the power of the Holy Spirit through the days to come, and he saw a time when Messiah would be born. He talked about Messiah being born of the Virgin, and he talked about a variety of things relative to Jesus and who he was. In fact, the, God, the book of, of Isaiah, 66 chapters in that book, and it's often referred to as the Gospel of Isaiah because so much is in that book pointing to the coming of Jesus. But in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, Isaiah the prophet zeroes in on a 
certain aspect of Jesus the Messiah. He says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will, be, will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Isaiah said, I see Messiah coming. And when Messiah comes, he will be called. He will be known as Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Could we all say those four royal titles together? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Could we do it once again? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Isaiah said he will be known, he will be called, that is, he will earn a reputation that when you unwrap this box, unwrap this gift, unwrap this present of God in flesh, Jesus coming into our world, the Messiah, when he arrives, he will be called by the people a wonderful counselor, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That is, when you get to know Jesus, you will get to know that he is the wonderful counselor. You'll get to know the fact that he is the mighty God, he is the everlasting Father, and he is the Prince of Peace. Today our focus is upon one of those royal titles. I want to talk to you just for a few moments about Jesus, the Counselor. And the Bible speaks of Jesus being the wonderful Counselor. What does that mean to you and me? I'm going to share with you four characteristics of Jesus that helps us to understand Him as the wonderful Counselor in your life because everybody needs a Counselor. There's not a single one of us. We do not need some counseling in our lives. Amen? Okay. How many of you have a few issues in your life, right? We all have some things going on in our life that we need a counselor. We need more than just human counsel. We need the counsel of God. We need God to come into our lives through, through Jesus Christ and to bring something to us that only He can do and the healing and the therapy that Jesus the counselor can bring. And so there are four things that you need to understand about Jesus as being the counselor. Number one, understand that as the counselor, the wonderful counselor, Jesus shows you shows you compassion. Compassion is a very important word. It's a word that really speaks of showing mercy or showing grace to someone. It's the idea that when you're compassionate toward a person, that you're, you're tender to them. You have love for them. You have a heart for them. That's the idea of being compassionate. The opposite of compassion is to be merciless, to be hard to have no sympathy or empathy for another individual. And so when we say that Jesus shows us compassion, we're talking about the fact that he is full of mercy and he's full of grace and he's full of tenderness, that when Jesus approaches you, he approaches you not with hardness, he approaches you with gentleness to do wonderful things in your life. He is the compassionate Savior. And as the compassionate Messiah, the compassionate Savior, it means more than just He feels sorry for you. He actually steps into your life and steps into your world to help you because real compassion is not just feeling sorry for someone. Real compassion is stepping outside of my zone of my own life and helping another person in a certain way. 
Because real compassion helps. Real compassion involves action. And so when Jesus comes as the compassionate Savior, the compassionate Messiah to you, He comes to act on your behalf, to do something that shows you the impact of mercy and grace in your life. The writer of Hebrews, inspired by the Holy Spirit, talks about this compassionate Savior as we see Him unfolding it in reference to Jesus, our High Priest. Hebrews chapter 4, beginning in verse 14, it says, Therefore, since we have a great High Priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. In other words, Jesus is able to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to do what? To help us. Notice that little statement right there, grace to help us in our time of need. The Bible reminds us of the fact that Jesus comes not just to feel sorry for you or just to stand away from you and say, oh, well, what a tough time you're going through. But Jesus comes into your world to actually help you. That is real compassion. James the Apostle, reflecting on who God was, who Jesus is, he said the Lord is full of compassion and he's full of mercy. There's an amazing story, actually numbers of stories in the gospel accounts of Jesus reaching out to people with compassion. The Bible teaches us that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what he did during his ministry when he was here on earth, he's still doing today. He's the same Jesus. And notice the story that we find in Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 40. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. This story is so instructional for us. Because here was a man who had leprosy. And leprosy back in those days was an incurable disease. If you had leprosy, not only could you find no cure, there was no doctor that could help you, no medicine that could cure you, but you were actually ostracized from the community because you were considered to be unclean. And so you had to go and live among other lepers. That's where we have the concept of the leper colonies. And so all of those who were afflicted with leprosy lived with other people who were just as sick as they were. And they couldn't interact with healthy people. In fact, when they would walk up to someone at a distance, they would have to cry out, unclean, unclean, because everybody was concerned that it was highly contagious, and just to get around a leper could mean that I'm going to contract what you have, and I don't want to be in an incurable condition just like you are. And so here were the lepers that suffered this way, and there was one leper one day that realized, here is Jesus, and my only hope for cure is in Him. My only hope for any change in my life is to go to someone who has compassion for what I'm going through. And so here is this leper who made his approach to Jesus and he fell at Jesus' feet and said, Lord, I know if you're willing, you can make me clean. I know what you can do. I just know if you don't know if you want to do it in my life. I know what you can do. If you're willing, you can make me clean. And the Bible says that Jesus was moved with, what was he moved with? Compassion. He didn't say, yeah, I really feel sorry for you, buddy. It's a really tough life you got. Hope it works out all right for you. But the Bible says it moved with compassion that Jesus reached out and what did he do? He touched him. 
To think about just that one concept of Jesus touching a leper is incredible to consider because no one touched a leper. But Jesus was not afraid to touch the unclean in this man because Jesus understood something. Jesus knew that the unclean would not affect him, but he knew that his cleanness would make the unclean man whole, okay? And I want you to know today that if you feel unclean in some area of your life, you feel like there's some part of your life that's dirty, some part of your life that is leprous, there's some part of your life that you just couldn't bring to God because it just seems so dirty and so ugly and you could never present that to God because, my goodness, what would God think of me and how would God treat me if, he, if I approached him with this uncleanness? Remember this, understand something. If a leper can come to Jesus, you can come to Jesus, right? And Jesus reaches out. He's not intimidated by the uncleanness in your life. He comes and he makes you whole. He is moved with compassion. He is there to help you. That's the wonderful counselor. And notice Psalm 103. As the psalmist is reflecting as well on this compassionate nature of God. He says, praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Notice this, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. What the scripture is telling us is that God in his compassion, Jesus as the wonderful counselor, he is able to pardon you and forgive you for your sins. He is able to restore you to health. He is able to buy you out, redeem you out of your difficulties and dangers. He is able to shower you and crown you with approval and blessing and favor in your life. He's able to fill you to overflowing so that your life is satisfied. He's able to renew your youth like the eagles. This is the kind of Savior that we serve. He is a wonderful counselor full of compassion. The second thing that we learn about Jesus is the wonderful counselor. He brings you comfort. He shows you compassion, but he also brings you comfort. See, a great counselor knows how to comfort people. To comfort means to alleviate someone from pain or a sense of failure or a sense of loss or grief that they're going through in life. All of us have had moments before when we were just grieving over something and someone came along and maybe they put their arms around us and comforted us or they spoke a word to us and comforted us, but there was that moment that the pain in us was alleviated by a caring person reaching into our world with comfort. And Jesus, as the wonderful counselor, he... He knows how to get down into your pain. He knows the most painful part of your life. He not only knows the dirtiest part of your life, but he also knows the most painful part of your life. And as a counselor, he's able to get down into your pain. See, your dirt doesn't intimidate him. Your leprosy doesn't intimidate him, nor does your pain intimidate him. There's some of us here today that in our deepest places of our soul, there's some really painful parts there. Maybe some things inside of us that hurt so deeply that maybe we've never even shared them with someone else, but there's a pain in our soul, and we kind of hide that from other people, and sometimes we, we don't even give that to God. We just carry that pain around inside of us. And Jesus, as the wonderful counselor, knows how to get down into your pain. He knows to get down into your loss, knows how to get down into your failure. He knows how to get down into those deepest recesses of your psyche, of your soul, and to bring restoration and healing to you. He is a wonderful counselor. The psalmist said in Psalm 94, verse 19, listen to this. He said, when doubts filled my mind, 
your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. I'm going to break this apart for you here in just a moment. Let me explain something before I do. When you have pain in your life, pain in your soul, and pain that you're carrying around inside of you, difficulties that you're dealing with that seem to just be ongoing, what pain does to you over a period of time is it robs you of hope. Because you feel this pain, I don't think I'm ever going to get out of this, and so it leads to despair and hopelessness, okay? And there's some of us, even as Christian believers, that we, we have a hope in Jesus, but we don't have hope for certain problems or issues in our life. And so we have this sort of general hope in Christ, but we don't, we don't, we've not applied it personally in some realm of our soul, but we carry this hopelessness around in us. And the psalmist said, when doubts, the Hebrew word there for doubts, represents the concept of anything that's upsetting you, that's anxious thoughts or disturbing thoughts or worrisome thoughts or the kind of thoughts that just eat away at you, when doubts filled my mind, when the losses of my life filled my mind, when my problems and hopelessness filled my mind, your comfort, that is your consolation, renewed hope in me and gave me cheer. That is that God Almighty, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is able to step into your world, into the places of your most anxious doubts and thoughts your deepest pain, he's able to bring you comfort that you need that will renew your hope and give you cheer in your life. A great story in John chapter 4 that helps us to see Jesus stepping in to someone's life that was very hopeless and helping them as a counselor out of it. Let me read this story for you and then I'll talk about it briefly. John chapter 4, I'll begin in verse number 3. So he, Jesus, left Judea and went back once more to Galilee now, he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have, give, he would have given you living water. Notice that phrase, living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water, there's the water physically from the well, will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. The lady has this encounter with Jesus. And we come to verse 49. It says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. I want to talk about this story just for a moment and how it applies to you and me. Jesus was leaving the southern part of Israel, Judea, and he was going to go to Galilee, which is the northern part. 
So he's traveling north and he decides to go through Samaria. Most Jews would have gone around Samaria because Jews and Samaritans did not interact with each other. But Jesus said, I've got to go through Samaria because he had an appointment with someone there. He knew that he had to meet someone. Someone in Samaria needed him. Aren't you glad that Jesus will go right to you in your need, okay? So he came into Samaria, sat down by the well. And as he's sitting there, here comes a Samaritan lady, and she's going to draw some water from the well. And so we have this interaction that Jesus has. Not going to recount it again for you. But they're talking for a number of moments about water and wells. Okay, so the whole conversation is about water and wells. The water of the well, and the living water, and how she could get water from him. That is spiritual water that would satisfy her. She didn't understand it. So the whole conversation, the first part of the conversation, was about water and the wells. What was the first conversation? part of the conversation about water and the well. And so finally, she says, okay, if you've got some water that is living water that you can give me, sir, give me this water. I want to drink the water that you're offering to me. I want what you're offering, Jesus. And then Jesus said, well, go, go call your husband and come back to me. Well, said, well, time out. We weren't talking about husbands. We were talking about water and well. How are you bringing up husbands here, okay? Isn't it interesting that Jesus completely shifted the subject from the water and the well to her relationships? Because you know the deepest point of pain in this lady's life? The deepest point of pain in this lady's life had to do with her relationships. She had been married five times, five failed marriages, and the man that she was currently living with was not her husband, which meant that either, she was, either he was married to someone else or he was not willing to commit to her. And so all she'd ever known in her adult life was broken relationships. That's all she'd ever known. So there she is wanting this new water, but Jesus said, before we can get to this water thing, I need to talk to you about your pain. Do you see what a great counselor Jesus is? He goes right to the deepest point of pain. See, Jesus knows the deepest point of pain in your life. And he wants to get into your pain, not to embarrass you. Jesus was not there to embarrass the lady. He was not there to hurt her. He was there to help her, to heal her from all of that hopelessness that she felt because of failed relationship after failed relationship after failed relationship. She was at a place of hopelessness in that part of her life. And Jesus came right into that point and said, let me give you some comfort. Let me be your wonderful counselor. And in that moment, there was healing. How do we know there was healing? Because she went back and told her whole village, come see the man who told me everything I ever did. Okay. Come see him because you need him just like I needed him. And so there's this moment that she brings her village out. Many people in her village and many people accepted Christ that day as well because of the testimony of this lady who had received comfort from God. Let me tell you today that Jesus When you unwrap this gift called Jesus, when you begin to pull the paper off the box and you remove the bow and you look on the inside of the box called Jesus, and who is this Jesus? He is the wonderful counselor. He comes to bring to you compassion. He comes to show you and bring to you comfort. And the third thing that we see about Jesus, so vital that we understand this, that he also comes to reveal to you the possibilities of restored relationships. 
One of the most significant things that a good counselor will do will help mend relationships, help bring reconciliation. Reconciliation, reconciliation. That is, conciliation is that there's unity, there's harmony, there's peace. And so reconciliation is the restoration of peace and harmony in a broken relationship. And many times in our lives, just like we have places where we need the compassion of God and places where we need the comfort of God, there are also places that we need God to come in and restore or reconcile relationships because often we're at war with people. There are three relationships that are vital in your life. Number one, your relationship with God. Number two, your relationship with you. Number three, your relationship with other people. Everybody has all three of those relationships, either good, bad, or indifferent. You're either in a good, bad, or indifferent relationship with God, with yourself, or with other people. And sometimes you and I are at war with God. Sometimes we're at war with ourselves. And sometimes we're at war with other people. There's some of you here today that you're at war with God right now. There's some part of your life that you're fighting with God about, that you know that you ought to be surrendering or yielding that part of your life to God. You're saying, God, I'll give you everything but that, or I'm not ready, God, to to really step in with you. I just want to sort of be around the edges, and God's saying, no, I want you to be all in, but you're fighting with God, and God brought you here this morning to say, it's time that the war comes to a cease. Stop fighting with me. I want to reconcile together. I want us to be in harmony and unity, and so that happens when we yield to God. We surrender ourselves to Him through Christ. Christ is the the one who can bring you peace with God. Romans 5 tells us in verses 8 through 10, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if we, for if while we were God's enemies at war with God, we might say. We were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved through his life. Let me tell you, Jesus can bring you peace with God. If you'll come today and say, Jesus, I'm just going to surrender it all to you. I'm going to stop playing around with you. I'm going to stop sort of giving you part of me and fighting you. I'm just going to get all, and I'm jumping in the pool today, Jesus, with you. And Jesus says, okay, I got you now. I've covered it. I've got you. And I'll bring you into peace, a peaceful relationship with God. Some of you here today are fighting with you. You're at war with yourself. There's a battle going on in your head right now. And the battle is just the anxious and worrisome thoughts that that you're struggling with on the inside. And Jesus is the one that can step into your world and bring you reconciliation or peace with your own self, your own inner being. Jesus speaks of this in John 14, 27. I'm leaving you with the gift, Jesus said peace of mind and heart. Isn't that a wonderful gift, right? You know, you can have a billion dollars in the bank, and if you don't have peace in your mind and your heart, the billion dollars means nothing to you. The greatest thing you can ever have in your life is peace of mind and peace of heart. And so Jesus said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and peace of heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. To someone here today, you've got a troubled mind. There's a battle going on between your ears. You're, you're troubled by all the worries of life and the struggles about what if this and what if that and what if the other thing. I'm here to tell you that Jesus is your wonderful counselor. He comes to bring you peace of mind and peace of heart. And he also brings us peace with other people. 
Sometimes we get sideways with other people, don't we? Stuff comes up in relationships and things just don't work the way we want them to. And we end up being frustrated and angry and at war with someone. Maybe you're at war with someone today. It might be a spouse. It might be a family member, an extended family member. It might be you're at war with someone at work. Maybe you're at war in some other friendship or past friendship. There's a war going on between you and someone else. And Jesus wants to help you as the wonderful counselor to bring you around to a place of peace again, a place of reconciliation, and Jesus can do that. He'll help you to do that. The Apostle Paul speaks of this in Ephesians chapter 4, 31 and 32. He says, get rid of all bitterness and rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. And then notice verse 32. Would you read it together with me? Verse 32, here we go. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. When you and I understand the beauty of God's forgiveness to us, it then empowers and enables us to forgive people that we need to forgive. So what do we know about Jesus as the wonderful counselor? When we unwrap this box called Jesus and we look in, who is he? He's the wonderful counselor who, who, who shows us compassion, who brings us comfort, who helps us to realize, you know what, these, these broken relationships can be fixed. My relationship with God can be fixed. My, my relationship with my own self and my struggles inside, they can, I can have peace. My relationships with other people, I can find restoration and I can find reconciliation. And the last thing I'd like to share with you today is that Jesus, as your wonderful counselor, guides you to your best life. You know, a good counselor helps you to be the best you that you can be. Because there is a best you, and Jesus wants you to be your best you. And your best you is not trying to be like somebody else, right? Your best you is being the best you that God created you to be. But you can't be the best you God created you to be by you trying to be the best you you're trying to be, okay? Because you will mess you up, right? And so you need a coach. You need a counselor, okay? That's what a counselor's for, okay? A counselor comes along and says, do you realize that's kind of dumb what you're doing right there, okay? You realize that's not really wise, okay? So you've got a voice in your life that comes along and counsels you along the way. And because God's goal is to make you the best you that you need to be, but other people can't make you the best you. and You can't even make yourself the best you. And so you need the one who created you to make you the best you. You need to, to lean on Jesus as your counselor and, and the one that can help you to have your best life. And how does Jesus help you have your best life? Because when you invite him into your world on a consistent basis, he's the one that helps you make better decisions. That's what a good counselor does. Helps you think through things and make better decisions with your life. Proverbs 2 verse 6 says, For the Lord gives, what does He give? Wisdom. And from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He will also help you follow the right directions. That is, He will be a voice of guidance in your life. See, there are all kinds of people that love to give you their advice, right? You ought to do this, you ought to do that, and I ought to do the other thing, and Sometimes you try to give yourself your own advice, but you need, you need an advice that comes beyond you and the world around you. And the Bible says of God, He's the one that can speak into your world and give you the guidance that you need. I love Isaiah 30, verse 21, speaking of how God works in us through Jesus Christ. Your own ears will hear Him, hear God. Right behind you, a voice will say, This is the way you should go 
whether to the right and or to the left. Isn't that beautiful? That God just comes along beside you when you're walking with Him. He says, let me be your counselor. I'm going to be a voice right behind your ear. I'm going to help guide you. I'm going to help you to hear my voice and be able to make right decisions and follow the right direction. And the third thing I'll leave you with today in this is He helps you to discover the diamonds in your difficulty. That's how you experience your best life. See, if you get caught up in your difficulties, you'll never have your best life. Because all you'll think about are your problems, right? If all you're looking at, only focus of your life is your difficulty, you'll have a hard life. But your best life happens when you're able to see beyond your difficulties and see that there's some diamonds in your difficulties. And you can't see that by yourself. You need God to help you see the beauty, the diamonds in your difficulty. But in every difficulty in life that you'll walk through, there's a diamond in that difficulty. There's something that is shiny. There's something that is beautiful. There's something that is enduring. And your problems are not going to last, but the diamond in it will be valuable for you forever. Okay. It's building something of value in your life. But you need, you need Jesus to come along as your wonderful counselor and to remind you there's a diamond in this thing that you're going through. And let me speak to someone here today. You're going through a tough time in your life right now. It seems as though your life has been overwhelmed with difficulty. You've been trying to sort your way through it. You wonder, why is this all going on in my life? I want you to know today it might be difficult right now, but there is a diamond in your difficulty. There's a diamond there. In fact, why don't you turn to your neighbor right now and just remind them, there's a diamond in your difficulty. Go ahead and tell them, there's a diamond there. There's something shiny, something beautiful. The problems aren't going to last, but there's going to be something of eternal beauty and value there that will last out of your problems. See, something's happening in you that's going to make you a better person. Something's happening in you that's going to bring you to a better place. See, sometimes in our, our difficult moments, it's actually the platform that ends up putting us in a better place in our life. The Apostle Paul writes about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. For our present troubles or our present difficulties are small. That is, in comparison to the larger picture, our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles. Stop looking at the troubles. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. Anyone want to stop there and say hallelujah to that, okay? The troubles will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. What is Paul saying? He says, remember, in your difficulty, it might seem like it's difficult, but there's a diamond there. Stop looking at the difficulty and start looking for the diamond. Jesus is your wonderful counselor. He can help you to see that. What are we looking at today? What are we talking about? We're saying, you know what? This thing called Christmas is the gift of God sending His Son into our world. What is that all about? Let's open up the package. Let's pull back the wrapper. Let's take off the bow. Let's pick up the top of the box and let's look in. And when we look in, we say, oh, wow. This exceeds my expectation. This gift is far beyond anything I could have imagined. Who is this Jesus? He is my wonderful counselor. It means that he comes to show me compassion. He comes to bring me comfort. He comes to reconcile my relationships. 
and he comes to help me experience my best life. He truly is the wonderful counselor. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father, we thank you for your word today. We're grateful. As we're unwrapping the gift of Christmas, unwrapping the gift of you coming into our world, I pray, Lord, that today that this reality of you being the wonderful counselor would bring great consolation, great comfort to our hearts. And I pray that, Lord, something that's been said today that we would carry with us, not just for a brief moment, but, Lord, let it change our perspective. Let it cause us to worship you like we've never worshipped you before because of who you are. We thank you that you are the wonderful counselor to us. In Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to church-redeemer.org slash a new you. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.